Welcome to an emergency version of the Reds Report. My name is Joshua Cloak of The Athletic. My name is Oliver Platt of the TFC Report. And we have our first guest, a very special guest. Who do we have here today? Uh, James Grassi. James Grassi of MLSsoccer.com. And you still do Waking the Red. Still do Waking the Red for all your TFC2 coverage. <laughs> for all your... Any, any prospect that I want to know about Grossi's my dude. Uh, we are sat in the, I think this is the away scouting room. Yeah, the Dallas technical room, I think. The Dallas tech room. Uh, it's post-game. And we've decided to do an emergency pod report because it was a bit ugly tonight. And I think for the first time all season, after the 1-0 loss to Dallas, um, the word panic is being used in a more proper way it's it's being i think it's become accepted both among fans and both among the media that yeah if things not if things don't turn soon the the time for yeah but when they get healthy but when they get healthy that's long gone i think it's i think it's proper time to panic because again we saw zavaleta not in the 18 tonight uh and he had worked his way back from injury we saw Chris Mavingo go down with, did he, did, hamstring, hamstring injury. Uh, Akeche and Delgado both not in the 18 with tightness. We did see Nick Haglin come back tonight, but while I thought he looked really good in the air, I don't think he was moving as, as comfortably as he has in the past. So it's all adding up to a sense of panic for TFC. Um, so we've decided to, kind of do a quick recap pod here. Let's start with our thoughts. What did you guys think went wrong tonight specifically? Um, I think it starts with the defense, to be honest. Like, I know there's going to be a lot of emphasis placed on the missed chances, and obviously that's a huge part of it. But to me, they've not been good defensively all year. And we've talked about how they're starting games badly, but I'm just seeing that as they're not very good defensively. The other team gets the first goal and then stops attacking. So, you know, they don't look as bad defensively late in games because they're not facing as much, if that makes sense. So I, I think they have to try and solidify that somehow. Obviously, partially it's personnel. Um, but it starts with that, you know, keep more clean sheets and the problems disappear, start to. Well, I, tonight specifically, like, what could they have done differently? Like, it, it's become obvious that Drew Moore and, and the lack of organization with Drew Moore out that's a problem but I mean is it in the beginning it looked like Michael Bradley was going to be a fine kind of band-aid solution in the back but I mean tonight he looked a little is he wasn't in the spots that he needed to be let's just leave it at that so I mean tonight specifically this loss against Dallas because again Dallas now has provided kind of a, a framework for how to beat TFC. I mean, TFC had chance after chance after chance tonight, but, you know, Dallas just kind of hung back. I, I mean, ha, if you if teams are going to try to hit you on the counter like Dallas tried to do, I mean, ha, what are you supposed to do? Well, without more, what are you supposed to do? Well, I, they're not dealing with counts as well, and I think part of it is without more in particular I think they overplay them they're too aggressive to try and win the ball quickly rather than kind of shepherding the play wide um, you know trying to slow down counter attacks so people can get back 
Like there was one at the end of the first half where Bradley and Telfer, I think, had it totally under control down the TFC left. And both of them just tried to dive in and win the tackle. And then the guy somehow ended up squirming away into the box and created a pretty good chance. So I think that's the big thing I'm seeing with more absent is that there's just this impatience to get the ball back uh, when CFC could potentially kind of just manage situations uh, rather than trying to put the fire out straight away. James, what did you see tonight? Where, where do you think it went wrong? This is it's sort of a trend that I've seen over the last few weeks, and I, I think part of it is not having Drew at the back, and part of it is not having Michael in the midfield. And one of the things that Toronto was particularly good at last year was was managing the tempo of games in terms of when they needed to play fast, they would play fast, and when they needed to slow things down, they could slow things down. And it, it feels right now like they're getting frantic at times where they should slow, slow things down. And when they do have that opportunity for a quick break, they're looking for that extra pass or they're turning away from going forward and they're looking for support when maybe they should just have a go at goal. And so I chalk that down to to Michael being sort of that metronome in the middle. You know, I really liked a guy like Armando Cooper because I sort of thought he was, I called him a time wizard at one point in the sense that he was a guy that could burst forward and break through lines, but also just slow a game down when they needed to. And that, I mean, to me... I mean, any, anybody who's followed any of my work knows how I feel about Armando Cooper. But yeah, I, I do think, yeah, no, but I think, I think you're right. Like, you, you, tonight you needed, I mean, they looked frantic. They were, we can talk about, as I did, Seba had 12 shots. Not many of them were quality. It seemed very chaotic. And at least with Armando Cooper, they had possession and they turned to a possession-based game. And I always thought that's kind of, the role that Osorio would kind of take over. Um, and while he wasn't the problem tonight, I mean, I, without going all scapegoaty, I mean, who... Is there someone that needs to come out of the lineup? Like, is there someone that we need, based on a game like tonight, like, who who do you kind of pin it on? Because now, if, if we're accepting that it's time to panic, we also have to accept that it's probably time for Greg Vanny to make some legit changes to the lineup. I mean, was there anyone that stuck out for you guys? I, like, I don't know who you'd replace anyone with is the issue yeah. right now. Like, obviously Hamilton and Ricketts in the past two weeks haven't done what they needed to do um, and CFC needed them to do in replacing Altidore. They could really do with a Jovinko hot streak right now. Like, again, like the clean sheet problem, Jovinko putting a few goals away would really help them. Um, just kind of what what he often does is he just patches over problems, you know, with the way he can create things and, and obviously score goals on a regular basis. And they're just not getting any of that. It's like everything adding up and multiplying each other. But he, I mean, he was given a penalty kick within what the first twenty minutes at home. What I noticed about that one, it Dallas tonight, their time wasting was was a that was a masterclass. Like that was art. I mean, you can it, perhaps a casual fan would get very frustrated at that and that element of the game. But if you're Dallas, what else do you do? Like you you come into BMO Field and you you steal a win. Yeah, this is I we're, we said before that this is an atmospheric pod. We've got the. The Vuvuzelas outside. We've got uh, cleaning people busting in to to kick us out. Javinko 
has to bury that penalty. And he had Gonzalez, the goalkeeper, coming up and yapping in his ear beforehand. Um, it took a long time for him to actually get the shot off. And then when he did, you could tell he didn't get a proper run up to it. He hits the ball low, which on a lanky goalkeeper like Gonzalez to me is, is insane. Um, you, you know, you need a you need those penalties to be converted at home. This isn't on Seba at all. To me, what was kind of interesting was when players like, when midfielders like tonight, when Ryan Telfer had the ball, when Liam Fraser had the ball and they got close to the box, to me it seemed like there was this inherent belief that if we just play a short pass to Seb, everything will take care of itself. And that's probably where the 12 shots come from, but it seemed like that was the answer tonight. Just if you're in close, give it to Seba and things will happen. And James, you pointed out, and I agreed right away, you missed a catch-a tonight because you needed players to be having cracks from distance just to keep Gonzalez, you know, on his toes. And, and you thought Liam Fraser should be doing that, and he didn't. His, his option was just always to hand it off to, to someone close to him. I think if you look at some of Toronto's best chances today, the, the Victor Vasquez one that just went wide and the Jonathan Osorio one that sort of got tipped over the bar, those were sort of the two times that, that they took a look from range and they had that option. And, you know, Dallas did a masterful defensive job in terms of getting numbers behind the ball and clogging up lanes. But, you know, that's the sort of thing that even if you know it's not going to be very fruitful, you just you put it out there so that the other team sort of has to think about it. Uh, going back to your question of what, what Greg can do if this is a time that you need to shake it up, like he doesn't have a lot of options at his disposal when it comes to who's injured. But I thought it was particularly interesting that Io Akinola was on the bench today given how well he's played in the last two TFC2 matches. And he's he's not quite a mini Josie Altidore, but he offers you some of those same tools that Josie does in terms of a very big frame that doesn't mind being physical up top and a guy that has... You know, a pretty soft touch when it comes to, to linking up with his teammates. So, you know, if you're in sort of desperation mode, if you're if you just need to do something different to sort of focus everybody's attention a little bit more, you could do worse than giving him a try. I'm inclined to agree. I mean, it was all but a given that if if Vanny was going to play two up top tonight, he wasn't going to go back to Hamilton after that stinker of a game against Orlando. So, starting toss was obvious, but. Toss wasn't finishing either. So he brings on, I think he brings in Chapman for Toss. And then late in the match, he brings in with about 10 left. He brings Jordan Hamilton in, who wasn't effective at all. So I think it's become painfully obvious that you do not have a secondary forward that can provide you, you know, some clear scoring chances. So you mentioned if it's desperation time. I guess that's the question. Are we in the kind of desperation mode where a player like Io Akinola, who we know has very, very raw talent, are we at that spot where you just bring a player on just for the sake of, of change? Like, have we given up on Hamilton and, and uh, to St. Ricketts? Because it's, it, it, it's, it's not looking like they can be the difference makers if TFC are getting chance after chance after chance and not burying them, does Vanny not owe it to whoever the next man up is to give him a shot? I wouldn't write off either Jordan or, or Toss right now, but I just see it as more of a, 
of a spiraling sort of situation where they, they haven't had enough minutes with these same guys and the team is just in general. I think Toronto has developed into a style of play where, where they have very specific things that they're sort of looking for. And with with a lot of the attack going through Auro or, or Telfer coming in now on, on the opposite side, a lot of the play has tended to go through those guys. And for guys who see as few minutes as, as Ricketts and Hamilton, they're, they're always sort of waiting to react to a ball instead of getting to where they know they need to be. And, and that's just that leads to a slowness when they need to be there. I, I couldn't agree more. There were too many crosses into Toss tonight where Toss was behind his defender. And I just stop and say, why is Toss not taking that step, getting in front of his defender to get that head on it? You're right. There's just, they're a half second too slow because Toss and Jordan Hamilton are not used to being in the lineup. But Josie's been out for a handful of games now. That excuse is kind of becoming, you know, null and void now uh, because this... These are the forwards that you have. Um, Ollie, where are you at? Do you, do you think we should be giving Akinola a crack? Um, it's a tough one. Like, he's 17 years old, so it'd be hard to expect too much from him. But I, I just feel like one of Ricketts or Hamilton or whoever it is that's next to Javinko that's not named Josie Altidore, teams are going to double up on Javinko and potentially leave that other player open knowing that he's probably going to get one good chance as a result of that and they're going to keep doing that until someone proves that they're worth paying more attention to and neither of them have done it so far. Ziegler, I, I talked to Ziegler, the, um, the Dallas center back tonight, he literally said that was the plan. Get a lot of men on Javinko and you'll probably be fine and we saw shades of that you know early 20, 2017 Javinko that was forcing chances um, we were laughing well James and I were laughing because right in front of where we sit in the TFC press box there's this core of fans and when things go wrong their answer is to just shoot 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 and it almost feels like you're at a Leafs game and that ended up happening and then there, and these shots weren't getting through. And then their answer was, "We'll shoot it at the net." And it's, it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, frustration is now very, very obvious within the team. We can talk about what Michael Bradley kind of his post-match comments, and with fans as well. Fans were streaming out ten minutes to go in a one-nil match. Um, but first, Michael Bradley's comments. I was in the Dallas room. Um, what did you make of what some of the things Michael Bradley had to say? Usually we have to wait a while to kind of show you how the sausage is made. Usually we have to wait 20, 30 minutes to, you know, for Michael Bradley to emerge um, to talk to us, which is fine. It's, it's part of the routine. He was sitting waiting. Um, so he answered for how the team played, and, and he literally said, we, that's a game we cannot lose. Um, he said the margins for error are just so slim right now. What did you make of, of how, you know, TFC's captain is kind of stepping up and, and dealing with the fact that this team is not performing anywhere near the level that they're expected to? I Yeah, I think he feels pretty kind of, not helpless, but he there's a lot of stuff that I just don't think he can really do much about now. And that's the worst thing for Michael Bradley is not being able to control things, you know. But... Um, 
what he did say and what was quite clear was that this team is absolutely thinking about the standings now and thinking about points. You know, he mentioned that if there was one tiny silver lining tonight, it's that this loss was against a Western Conference team. And as you said, he talks about the margins getting very slim. So it's starting to weigh on them, I think. And, you know, it just becomes like a vicious cycle and a spiral when, you know, you miss a few chances in two or three games and it weighs on you the next time and then you're more likely to miss the next ones. And that's always been the fear with TFC with the slow start, the injuries, uh, just everything kind of snowballing and them never really quite getting back on track. That's the big worry with this team right now. I think it's worth, worth you know, we, we walked in and we saw Michael sitting there and chatting with Justin Morrow, who's another one of those sort of team leaders. And, you know, maybe we haven't quite noticed how much a lot of the guys that would normally be the ones who would step up and sort of speak for the team have not been there for a long time. We're talking Morrow's been out pretty much since early in the Champions League. Drew Moore's been out the last couple of weeks. Josie Aldador's been out the last couple of weeks. And I think that puts a lot of a lot of responsibility on Michael's shoulders. Now that's that's what he's there for, that's what he wants. But I thought it was rather telling that that Michael sort of Michael sort of um, basically came out and said that that wasn't good enough. You know, like that that they cannot be happy with that sort of a performance that that they need to do more especially when they're at home and and that coming here to BMO should be something that teams fear and it doesn't matter if they sit back and pack numbers in. Um, when it comes to what you do about it, I don't I don't necessarily know how you what you can do. That's why I mentioned Akinola as just something to sort of shake it up, just something to sort of get the the fog that's sort of around the team a little bit a little bit lifted. And you know, we sort of thought maybe that had happened with with the Philadelphia win. Or with the uh, the win last weekend or last Friday, um, but I guess you know today we sort of saw all those ghosts that that we sort of thought had put behind them. the injuries, the inability to score, struggles at home. Those were all things that you know maybe that Orlando game sort of allowed us to think we're gone, and it, it looks like it's going to be a longer term issue. Catch twenty, <clears throat> catch twenty two, right? Because here we are saying that well, perhaps the reason that the to St. Ricketts and the Jordan Hamiltons of the team are not performing so well because they haven't had enough time to kind of properly fit into this team, right? And yet on the other hand, we're asking, well, your only chance to make it right is just to shake things up by throwing another new guy into the fold. So damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? I'm on your side, uh, Jimmy. I'm inclined to think that when things are this bad and 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 we're going to talk about how bad we think they really are but when things are bad there's no there's no problem in giving a guy with obvious talent it's not as if he's just the next like he is the next man up but there's talent there and we've seen what he can do on a big stage i mean he looked great at the U17 World Cup and you're right Ollie he's 17 but who else to throw in but a guy who really has, I don't want to say no fear, but he's not, he wasn't part of the club last year and he's not part of the, he doesn't maybe feel the immense pressure to perform that some of the other players might. He probably says, just give me a chance to go out and play. Like, just like, again, like you watch TFC now, they look frantic, they look chaotic, and it's very obvious late in the game 
they know that this loss is weighing on them. That's something they never showed last year. But they know late in the game, like, if we lose this, you know, bad things are going to happen. And for Iowa Canola, I mean, that's, again, we're, we're already talking about him as if he's going to come in and be the he's savior. The today, he's on the bench. I mean, so he's caught Vanny's eye. Vanny likes him, but, you know, give him a run just to play, just to play the game because we're looking ahead in the standings. The Dallas, like, the reason Dallas was so important was because the games get tougher. You go to Columbus um, next week. Columbus is in a playoff position. You go to Philadelphia, not in a playoff position, but you're still on the road. You then come home the day before the World Cup starts. You've got DC United here. You have to win that. We could have said that about tonight, right? But you're right. You have to win that because then, you know, 11 days later, you go to New York City and then you, you have Red Bulls here. So by July 1, that July 1, that Canada Day game here at home, to me, that is like, I, I, I think it's time to panic. But I think by July 1, if you haven't really, really made up points, and it's going to be hard considering these teams that you're playing against, you have to look long and hard in the transfer window about making, uh, pulling a rabbit out of the hat, I guess. What, what I would say, just to kind of play devil's advocate, and I wouldn't hate seeing Akinola getting a chance, but what I would say is that sometimes I do think that teams who have a bad run, which can be partially attributable to luck or injuries or whatever, go too far the other way and change too much and get away from what they were originally good at in the first place you know what I mean and then it just makes things worse you know and I I feel like there's maybe a little bit of that happening already with TFC with like so many different formations we're seeing right now Um, you know Bradley back at centre back I didn't love tonight Um, you know a lot of different players coming in the 11 and to me they kind of need to go back to basics and go back to what they know works within this team 3-5-2 it could be 3-5-2 I don't necessarily mind what formation they play so much is get the best players in the, their best positions get Bradley in front of the defense get you know Victor Vasquez playing close to Javinko J- just play players where they're best where they're used to playing and I think that's the starting point and there's a lot of players right now who aren't who are out of position in some way or another Vanny has acknowledged that during the Champions League something that is hurting them now is that they were rushing players back from injuries. Like this injury thing is not a new, this has been a year long curse. And you almost wonder if that's something they're going to deal with again. Is if, because they're, look, I, I can almost guarantee they've got that July 1 date circled on the calendar too. Uh, I don't know if, if that would be the halfway point. What are they at tonight? Is tonight 12 or? So that would be right around the halfway point. And that's right when the transfer window opens. Um, I don't know if that's updated. Is there at 10? This is great. This yeah, is... It's, it's updated, so 12, 13, 14, 15. So that will be 16. So it would be 16. So one before halfway. Um, let's end on this. Um, first things first, one-word answer. Is it time to panic, yes or no? No, this is MLS. All the action comes later on in the summer. One word answer. <laughs> Ollie, is it time to panic? No, not quite. 
All right. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I, I think it is. I think it is because you're losing games at home. You're losing, like, all that talk about BMO Field being a fortress. That seems like a long time ago. Like, if you, if you had a bad, if you had this same run of injuries, but you're playing, you're losing on the road, you can say, yeah, but we'll get healthy and we'll be back at BMO. You're losing games to teams outside of playoff positions at home. Now, I just hogged the mic, so I didn't give you guys a chance to... If, if, if it's not time to panic, tell me why and tell me when it is time to panic. That's a big question to throw know, at me I right know. now. Uh, tell you why it's not time to panic? Yeah. Because this is a league that... That you know, we've seen Atlanta and NYCFC come out to really hot starts. We've seen Red Bull sort of get on a real tear right now. There's some talk that two of those clubs, the two New York teams, could leave lose their head coaches. Yeah. And Atlanta's lost two of the last three or something to that effect. And NYCFC has dropped off their blistering pace as well. And you know, one of the things that that we all marveled about about this Toronto FC team was how deep they were last season. And that's something that we just don't see in these other teams that are going to be challenging for the Eastern Conference right now. So when everyone gets off to a hot start, the the gaps open really quickly. But when those games start to come, you know, if you talk to Drew Moore about MLS, the two words that he's guaranteed to say to you are, it's a grind. Or the three words that he's guaranteed to say to you are, it's a grind. And, and that sort of MLS summer grind is where we're just sort of getting to. And that's really where teams start to, to show what they're made of and that's where the real separation and the real determination of who ends up where in the table is decided so if we're coming around to August and, and this Toronto August. FC team I'm a pretty patient, You're a patient guy you are a patient yeah. man yeah. you are a patient man if we're, if we're coming up to August well I may wait until it's too late to do anything about panicking in order to allow the panic to set in so that's why I sort of say August in, in August I'll be able to say this team is not going to be able to do what they need to do. That's sort of when, when that happens. But to, to, to borrow Ollie's role and to play devil's advocate, what did they show you? What have they shown you through these losses that leads you to believe it can get better? Because what if, I mean, Josie Altidore, the player whom I think they're missing the most, he's in a boot. Like, he, he's not coming back anytime soon. What did you see tonight that, that, that they could build off? Maybe besides Liam Fraser just keeping his head the whole match. And Clint Irwin played really well. So if, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they do sell Alex Bono, subscribe to theathletic.com slash Toronto, um, then they might be okay. But, I mean, seriously, Jimmy, like, what did you see that, that leads you to believe that things might get better? Well, I mean, what I would, what I would, how I would say that was that if tonight had gone a little bit differently, Jovinko scores that penalty kick and right. Toss puts that one in, and then we're talking about a two-one game, and that's before the hundred, maybe not hundreds, but the you know, Vanny was Vanny was quoting us pass numbers and and shot attempts and like almost seven hundred passes and probably a majority of them in the opposition's final third, like. This was a night where, where it really came down to execution, and, and we're talking execution from 12 paces, from inside yep. 12 yards. So, I mean, as much as a 1-0 loss against Dallas at home at this point in the season when you really needed those three points is a definite gut punch, 
I don't see it being, if you played that game 10 times, how many of them do you think end one nothing for Dallas? Yes, and I like the kind of analytical numbers-based approach that you took to that. Um, so I'll give you that. I'll pass it to Ollie. What did you see tonight? You don't think it's time to panic either. Um, you guys are making me sound like the hothead of the bunch, which is fine. But what did you see that, that leads you to believe that things are going to be okay? Well, I did say two weeks ago that they needed four points from these games for me not yes. to panic, so I'm already revising my own opinion. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I didn't see a ton to what... They did control the game. They should have yep. won the game. And as James said, like if, if they get a couple of chances to go their way, we're not having this conversation so much. But I, I just think we still all know the team they are and they are capable of being, and there is enough time left for them to turn around. So I don't know. Maybe if you're a fan, I can understand panic right now. I, I don't think in the locker room they should be panicking. I think it's still in their control. That, sorry, that's... like. But don't you think right now that urgency is what's needed? Like, like you're saying that, I mean, if they're not panicking in the room and there's not a sense of, like, complacency, like, isn't that concerning? Like, isn't it, it like, don't you want, again, we're talking intangibles here, but don't you want them to be angry? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't think you want them to panic. I think they should, as I said before, they should stick to what they know and they should stick to what they're good with and you got to have belief in what you're about and what your team is and obviously what the team did last year and you've got to believe that that's going to see you through. They don't have another choice, really. I don't think really panicking gets them anywhere. I think I think you and I were up at training last week and, and Greg was asked if, if frustration was setting in yep. and I think you made the point of sort of frustration can be good, it can be motivating. And, and Greg said that, that yes, frustration can be good as long as it translates into an urgency. And this is a team that has a very prescribed sort of style and a very definite image. You know, one of the things Greg says all the time is they make the game into the vision of how they want it to look. And I don't know if panic plays into them getting back to that. I, th I think they get further and further away from that. And that's where the franticness that we saw tonight was sort of taking them further and further away of where they needed to be. You know, I would have loved to have seen somebody sort of get on the ball and this is going to sound way too simplistic but like make something happen rather than sort of looking looking to dish the ball off to make other things happen oh probably just about two or three minutes oh okay thank you thank you um, look at <laughs> we said we said atmospheric um, I'm actually one of the things that I'm, I'm particularly curious about is does having this protracted road swing over the next little while is that something that sort of allows them to put the fear of dropping points at home and the ramifications of that sort of out of mind and and go and you know we always we always hear about teams going on the road and it's sort of bringing them together and then going into the opposition's place so this might be the right time for an extended road trip. I've been in opposition locker rooms before. Dallas was excited tonight. Like, they came in and, like, and perhaps you're right. Like, go in and get a road win. Again, we're talking intangibles. Get that swagger back that they had last year. Um, but I, again, for me, I think that you just, you, last loss, it was the same thing. 
they had all these chances, they weren't finishing chances. Jay Chapman was gifted chances and he wasn't finishing. It seems like match after match, they're a new player just can't bury the chances. So for me, that's why I'm saying it's time to panic because I don't think we see Josie Altador back anytime soon. And unless Akinola steps up and, and is the 17-year-old wonder boy that perhaps TFC are hoping he becomes four or five years down the road, I, I, I don't know who's going to score. And for me, that's why it is time to panic and that's why I think looking ahead Tim Bezpachenko should really be looking at finding the to St. Ricketts of 2016 in this transfer window find a player out there a free agent who will come and you're going to have to unload people as well because they're up against the cap so it, it's it's not going to be easy um, but for me something has to be done any parting thoughts before the cleaning staff, who do a hell of a job here? Uh, popcorn always strewn everywhere after we get done with it. Uh, any closing thoughts on what you think they need to do, Ollie? Yeah, I'm going to double down and say they need to calm down and they need to relax. And you know when sometimes you see teams go away for some kind of like bonding trip mm. in the middle of the season? I think that's what they should do now. So Tim Bezpachenko should book like some laser tag or something. Have a, have a fun week and just like relax and go into the next game with the right mindset is my approach. If laser tag saves this TFC season, <laughs> yes. I yeah I I I don't know. I'm out. Yeah, really. Uh, thank you for listening to this emergency panic or don't panic edition of the Reds Report. We'll be back at training. This week, we are working furiously on getting these pods onto iTunes soon enough. We should have an update for you soon. Again, thanks for listening out there.